All right. Well, welcome to the Sound of Design with Mark and Dan and Steve. Hey, in the house. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> Thanks uh, so Thank much you. for being uh, with us uh, today. Well, it's a pleasure. Is uh, a very, very, very special uh, episode. Uh, we have our guest Steve Pardo with us uh, with uh, Skew Sound. Uh, he does uh, game audio and uh, specifically music. Uh, gets uh, a little bit into uh, some sound design things as well, and has worked at a very, 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 very high level for a very, 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 very long time. And just want to say thank you so much for uh, for joining us and uh, and hanging out with us today. Uh, so we're going to talk a little Absolutely. bit about uh, you know some some video game audio and and, and dive deep into that. So super excited. Um, why don't uh, we you know just go right into it and and, and ask uh, Steve how did you get into uh, music composition and specifically game audio because that's like a very like audio is a big world. And sure. <laughs> it's a huge world, yeah. And this is a funk a funky corner of that world for sure. <laughs> so how did it start, man? Well, for, first of all, just thanks for having me, guys. This is super fun. Um I love getting to talk about this stuff and and for an audience that actually knows and cares about the subject. So <laughs> it's not just ooh, video games. Ooh, ooh. It's like you guys actually know and Dan, I know, you know, you know I've talked about your background in game audio too. So um yeah, we got some overlap there in that department. So um, yeah, man, yeah, happy to be here, guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I started I, similar to you, Dan. I, I'm I'm not as familiar as your background, Mark, but Dan, I know we we both hail from the a jazz kind of ish background, blues, jazz. Uh, in my case, like indie rock, um, that kind of background, the Beatles. Yep. Uh, and I I grew up thinking I would just be a just be a jazz musician uh, like so many people with uh you know budding hopes and dreams of making it in new york's the the, the big apple and you know playing on the blue Abs note and that was i mean not that i you know uh deride that or or like, i think that's a, a, absolutely a valuable path for so many musicians um but i found myself uh early in my career as a musician I, so i went to school saxophone player university of miami um of course, songwriting and doing audio production, but in that mindset of saxophone playing. And then towards the end of college, I was like, how am I going to get a job? Am I going to play weddings? Am I going to teach lessons? And none of those things really like, like stuck with me. I, 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 yep. I enjoyed bits and pieces of those, especially the more creative ones. Um, but I found myself really enjoying the audio production side of things. Yep. Uh, so my saxophone professor himself, Gary Keller, at the time was like, hey, Steve. I've noticed that you're good at this. Maybe instead of trying to, you know, get your master's degree in saxophone playing, you should try our jazz arranging composition music production, uh, you know, program. And I was like, light bulb went off. That was like a big seminal moment. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so uh, got my master's degree, and that's a part. And it was nice because it was a jazz program, and it overlapped with the audio production. I think it's kind of a rare thing, and um, it, you know, it what absolutely we do. is. Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. so it definitely would there. It was like a great program to hold my hand into that world. Um, and then fresh out of, of getting, you know, my master's degree, I was presented with an opportunity to work at Harmonics Music Systems, which, as you may know, developed Guitar Hero. Uh, yep. Rock Be the Beatles Rock Band was my first video game, um, and I didn't knew nothing about video game audio at all. I knew about playing my instrument. I knew yep. about writing jazz and, write, and <laughs> making an indie rock record. And 
thankfully that was all i need i needed to know a little bit of midi and i needed to be good at music whatever that means sure. um and i got the gig yep. and th- so that that era is kind of over in a in a way like you know falling into it kind of stumbling into game audio is less so a thing now as it may have been back then yeah um, and listen i remember yeah. being in school you know same kind of a thing you know going back uh, more than a decade now and you know game audio was kind of like you know still this you know almost like wild west there's a little bit of a frontier aspect to it where like a lot of 100%. things hadn't really been had not really been standardized and things had not really kind of uh come into their uh full fruition and a wild west is a, g- a really good way to put it yeah so uh that's so all right so you you end up you know getting uh getting the first gig and so then Kind of take us through a little bit of that uh, transition. So, like, how did how did things continue to, to develop? Were you doing, uh, you know, sound de- design and sound right. effects creation? Were you doing more true composition? Um, how did that kind of evolve? It, yeah, that's a good question. Um, the gig initially was, you know, if you played Guitar Hero or playing Rock Band, it's the guitar parts. Um, you know, they're kind of. They're, you're playing a, a, effectively a real, an incredibly reduced transcription of the real right. thing. So that was my job initially. It had nothing to do with sound design, nothing to do with music composition. But um, I made a stink right, like pretty soon. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, I write music, you know, um, and I can, I know audio production. I could do mixing and sound sound effects." Um, and it wasn't long at all. It took maybe about a year ish, not even, oh. before I got brought into. Um, uh, a project literally out, outside of harmonics. It wasn't even in harmonics because harmonics, you know, they didn't really work on or- projects with original music and not too much sound design. Honestly, you know, le- at least at that time for many sure. years. So mm-hmm. I got I got brought into an outside project called Grim Dawn. That was my first video game where I was writing the music. Awesome. Um, literally, they just you know a guy at work who ended up becoming like a really good friend. His name's Dan Chrislip, and he's also the audio director at skew sound now so we we still work really closely okay. together yeah awesome. it's amazing um he he heard my music and brought me onto that project which and then from there on it was like you know i had a pretty good amount of of music work uh in games uh both inside harmonics and outside um the sound design part is is interesting i at the time you know as we all have a little bit of identity crisis Yep. It's like, oh, am I going to be a sound designer? Am I going to be a composer? I knew right away I wanted to be a composer. But, like, do I have to, like, be a sound designer? And in a way, I, yes. In a way, no. I, I, and this is, this is like, a, a hot topic, if you will. Like, do you need to be both? Do you need to, like, be good at everything in game audio? And I, I don't have, like, a great answer. But for me, it was, like, um, I really actually um, latched onto the technical side of things more so than the... Um, the like content, the sound effect content creation sure. side of things. Uh, sure. I, so I really love working in game engine, um, Unity, Unreal, yep. proprietary, Wise, FMOD. Mm-hmm. I actually really like. I the, there's a creative something there that I, I really thrive on, and, and actually uh, that extends to nowadays. I'm doing a lot of my own work in Unity, making my own video games. I'll be releasing a video game oh, so here it- in a bit. Yeah, yeah, a few actually, but one, <laughs> yes. one, one very soon. Yep. Um. So, so that sort of because because I had that passion and that was genuine, I found myself like getting into the sound design world in that way, like more like the technical sound design and leading projects at Harmonix. So I led a few VR projects, Rock Band VR um, being the first one, 
and then Dance Central. I led this other game called Beat Sports, which is like a silly little like Wii Sports with music. Nice, kind of, very kind cool. Of vibe. Yeah. Um, yeah, but then like you know after that round of like directing audio on projects, I was like, you know, like who am I? I'm a saxophone player. I'm a you know, like, well, I want to write music, and thankfully the projects kept coming. So, and, yeah. and that's awesome. And and I identify a thousand percent with that because that is really the struggle I think for a lot of musicians, right? You start off getting into, you know, you think you're going to go one direction, and yeah. this is what you love about it, and then you know, real life hits you kind of, you know, pretty hard. And and I just wanted to go back for a split second where you said like, do you have to do both? sound design and composition do you have to be you know a little bit of everything to everybody yeah. so to speak and there's this uh thing that happened like on the hi-fi side of things it's like every really good hi-fi person has a music background they were a drummer they were a piano player they were a guitar like everybody or i spent a lot of time in band and i really loved it and i found myself and it's kind of like that same, you know, arc, that same story kind of like permeates it. Like no matter where you end up in audio is it seems like everybody kind of has that same identity crisis and you got to go, all right, well, what am I going to do here? I'll, I love this and I want to keep doing that. And so I think what's so amazing about your, what you've said and what your story is, is that you got to be a composer. I mean, that's so rare. <laughs> I don't know how else to say that. Like there's so many guys that I know that it's like, yeah, I wanted to write and I thought I was really good at writing and I thought I was all these and they just never really got that true opportunity. They always ended up having to veer off and find you know a way to create value in some other way. So uh, I just want to say kudos, man, and congratulations for actually being able to do that <laughs> and, uh, and, and that kind of working out. It's literally very 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 rare and i yeah, just want to emphasize thank you i appreciate that <laughs> i don't i don't take i don't take it lightly whatsoever i i i have that feeling of you know what getting to wake up every day and at least for the at least half of the day i'm working on my own original music for a game the other half of the day i'm doing the technical sound design to implement my either my own music into a game or leading a team uh see it's just just like to give you the other side of things it's not sure. all 100% playing my saxophone into a microphone and recording bebop solos you know it's right like, <laughs> it's i mean little, fair that's fair yeah that's fair so so the other half is that technical so so for me to sort of answer your question like that technical side of things allowed me to have a well-rounded sort of resume if you will that gave gives me a little bit more um like like uh, credibility or leadership or management role or whatever like, technical skill mm -hmm. to like not not just be the music guy, but be a music and implementer. So that that push, I think, has given me an edge in my career um, to to be like you know buy one get one free kind of person in a yep. way. So so almost yeah. every project that I put that I do my own that I write music for, I'm implementing. There's there's only been one real project in the last few years. Well, no, that's not true. It's maybe about 25% um, of my projects I'm only composing for, and then the other bit. Um, I'm bo doing both, which I, again, like I enjoy it. So I have no problem. Like it's right. all, if anything, I really enjoy the left brain, right brain thing. So mm -hmm. it helps keep my day balanced and, you know, less arguing because man, I worked on <laughs> TV shows, um, yep. for years and I, that is not my speed. Yeah. And I, I kudos to the TV composers out there. Cause I know that gig is hard, like really, really uh, probably the hardest mm -hmm. gig in music, honestly. 
Um, so yeah, I'm like all in. Like as soon as I left those those shows, I'm like, I'm I'm gonna stop taking those gigs and just focus on because the game stuff, the, the creative flow is right there for me. So it's again, I, th- I think like uh, it is a lot of luck. Like I'll be yeah. totally honest, like, getting mm-hmm. asked to do that first harmonics gig and then subsequently the the music gig that, that grim dawn that first indie game that i did was like i mean you know a yes talent yes skill but also right place at the right time yeah and, and, and just, yeah yeah there there's definitely part of that too where you know and i think that's true in every industry right so whether you're in music or you're on the technical side or or you know let's say you're in finance and insurance i mean if you're going to be <laughs> successful there's got to be a little bit of that right place right time you know for for that to to kind of happen so uh, a thousand percent, man. Like it's it's really really cool. So you keep going back to the uh, the technical side. So our audience is really mixed, and so uh, I would ask um, when you give me like just a quick, um, you know, five year old. I'm an idiot. You know what is F mod? <laughs> yeah. You know? No, no seriously. Like like just kind of break it real real basic at at first, and then. Uh, tell me a little bit about, you know, kind of what that process is on the technical sure. side that goes into uh, creating the games that we love to play, um, because obviously we enjoy our systems. Right. So I'm looking at this from an end user perspective. Like, absolutely. So, like, what's the work that goes into creating that experience? Yeah, it kind of starts with the content, um, preparing the music content in a DAW like Logic or Pro Tools for okay. a game. That's where it all starts. Not unlike creating interactive sound like sound effects for a game you have to think Mm -hmm. about how is this going to render where like where's the player like what's the player doing so what kind of music system did i design that i have to like write music for so you know there's if it's an ambient system how many times is the song going to loop should i like put a like record a bunch of guitars that randomize every time the loop resets or like have it change tempo whenever there's a boss fight so that's that's like the first stage, and a, a lot of the work I do is just preparing wave files for. <laughs> and of course, that's not even to, to like consider like is it um, a stereo, is it mono, is it surround, is it Atmos, which is nowadays like a big part of what I do. Like, not everything is stereo anymore. Like right. the, the, we, right. the multi-channel formats are, are are demanding, and I did a bunch of ambisonic stuff in uh, for VR, you know, for both Dance Central and for Rock Band. Um, got really comfortable doing uh yeah the the binaural and the the rendering and all that i'm still i'm still having to do it but it's a way more streamlined now than it used to be than it used Um, to be yeah and mm -hmm. i remember when i was in los angeles uh, a few years ago and you know we pulled out a binaural microphone right in 5.1 format and you know we're recording sound effects and we're doing you know some really cool things and uh you know flash forward now I'm going to go back a couple of months now, maybe eh, it might have been sooner, might have been a couple of weeks, doesn't matter. And I'm having a conversation <laughs> with a client and he goes, uh, you know, I like binaural, right? But he also really loves surround sound. And so yes. there's this kind of and, you know, we talked with the previous uh, guest about this. There's this idea that video game players only play with headsets like they don't always a play. Lot of Right. With yep. a, a full surround system right. um, and very few will actually play in stereo. So you're a thousand percent correct. 
Um, I just want to go back a second, and I'm going to do this all day. I'm no, sorry. it's good. Uh, <laughs> you said uh, that it's almost like a spotting session, right? You're kind of thinking through yeah. what you right. have to spotting do. Spotting session, that's, a, that's the best way to put it, yes. Right? You got to sort of figure out, okay, like this is what the game is. These are the things. And so you sort of make a list, I'm sure, and you start yep. you know, going to town on, on those things. So once you kind of get the initial sounds and the initial music recorded, uh, what does that process look like going into an actual game? Mm -hmm. um, is it, uh, you know, is there a timeline or sequence? Because obviously a lot of those games, they're nonlinear, right? So right. unlike when you record, you know, a piece of music, I have a starting, I have an, a yes. middle and an end. <laughs> and Correct. I got to tell my story in that mode. Right. And so now all of a sudden you're like, well, I could sit in this world for the next four hours. Right. And it's got to keep going. Right. So how does that change your compositional style and your approach? Um, because oh, for sure. Right. Like that's a very, very, very different way of, of thinking about music. I think fortunately that because this was the first gig I ever had doing professional music composition was in games. I've been thinking about this for 15 years now. So it's like, like <laughs> I'm it. inherently used to writing music <laughs> for games and weird interactive systems, but like, I shouldn't take that for granted. You know, it's, if it's an ambient loop, if you're just like it, like Zelda overworld, right? Like it can't just be any more like a, a two minute long loop because these games are way more, uh, you know, immersive and, reactive and so so we have to you know you can still write a little song that's fine but you have to consider just like what might the player be doing um how much intensity is there in that overworld so a lot of the times i'll write like a, a song no like you would anything like a three minute long song and then i'll leave space to change up different parts like to have orchestra play on top of it if it's more thematic or have drums come in if it's more needs to be more intense and then the actual game with this sort of like now feeds into that what i think where you're trying to get the, get us to go dan like like the technical the tools right. are driving these systems so unity and unreal are, are what are called game engines and right. the, those those mm -hmm. uh those pieces of software um so, sometimes they're custom built but these, these are the two big like third-party ones that everyone's using now everybody uses yep so mm -hmm. um they they're kind of like uh these off-the-shelf systems to drive um you know, uh, just have have parameters from the game that are maybe driving animation or driving a character or driving a battle sequence. F funnel that data into music, so that the music system's therefore aware of just how much intensity is there. Where are we? What environment are we at? What what character are we playing? Anything we want to do to drive the music system. That, um, so that music can be like actually being driven in that game engine, Unity and Unreal. But more likely than not, here in the twenty first century. That's happening in what we call audio middleware. Really? Uh, yes. Okay. So audio middleware is a separate piece of, of software, like a plugin, if you will, sure. that runs alongside a game engine. Uh, the two big ones are on uh, Wise, WYS, developed by Audio Kinetic, audio Kinetic and um, FMOD. FMOD's been around for a lot Long longer, time. but mm -hmm. um, well. but but a lot of people are. M mainly working in oh that's not true it's about 50 50 you know uh working in audio kinetics wise um so i'm i'm in wise all day long for sure Got it. Uh, i don't have any projects <laughs> where i'm in fmod right at the moment but i i'm hovering around i'm back and forth between unity unreal and on and uh wise right now like all day long so wise is great wise and fmod too they feel like daws <laughs> like baby daws 
running alongside. So you're again like a DAW is like Logic or Pro Tools running alongside your game engine, and for music, it's great. Like it feels comfortable. You can you can drive things, pan things, um, you know, mute, unmute stems, attenuate uh, all the things that you would need to that you would typically do in a dynamic and in, in a regular old old fashioned uh, stereo mix or you know surround right. mix, Atmos mix, regular old. Um, but it's happening in real time <laughs> alongside the game. It's great. So, um, yeah, we're it, spoiled. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds also like then that gives you that audio middleware gives you the ability to automate certain things, right? Exactly. So, got, you know, a, a particular theme of music and, you know, that's going back to the Zelda just to kind of paint a picture and just confirm I'm understanding what you said. It's like, I hear those flutes and I hear the strings and I hear right all these things happening and then I go out to find a you know a dungeon or something like that and all of a sudden those drums have to kick in and the music has to change and the middleware is audio middleware likewise is going to give you the ability to introduce these other ideas right introduce those drums and to bring the volume up and to bring this other stuff down and and make all those changes and to do it in real time yeah and that that is the most mind-blowing thing i think <laughs> when you say it that way just sort of out loud like i can't believe it takes so much you know to be able to do that in real time so you have to make a thousand yeah. decisions i'm sure going through every single layer and every potential outcome you know to kind of morph. it depends on the experience i think like it, not every game needs it there's a really good example like ori and the blind forest which came out that's it's, you know it's five years oldish now um but that's a very traditional music system and the music is glorious it's got it it's full fully orchestrated dynamic i mean it's not actually it's not that's the whole point it's not it's not dynamic at all it's just a stereo music file that loops <laughs> so i mean and that was a really pretty big indie game um, right. for the time um yeah and even like my think about minecraft it's just like playing back some <laughs> right a playlist of, yep. of tracks <laughs> there's nothing too special so it depends on the game i'm I, i'm i'm more so speaking for like uh i would call it the status quo video game nowadays okay it has an interactive score and it's yep. dynamic at the very least it has to have some you know um a little bit more motion than you know kind of what the games we grew up with yeah absolutely sure so uh all right well let's uh kind of build on that idea because we've sort of you know teased it now a couple of different times which is there's different formats that you can play back in right so there's stereo two speakers right um there's uh binaural which is where you're taking a surround concept and you're bringing it into two speakers more specifically for a headset right and then I want to kind of go to the to the next format, which would be surround sound, which is five speakers and a sub. All of those are on a horizontal axis. And then the last one is Dolby Atmos, mm -hmm. which is where you're adding now the in-ceiling speakers, right? Mm -hmm. So just to kind of catch the non-technical folks up. So let's say that we're going to mix something not necessarily in stereo, but you're going to go to a surround. Mm -hmm. um, that probably was more common for some of the bigger budget games. Mm -hmm. What made the recent push into Dolby Atmos, that mm -hmm. last final quote-unquote format that most latest and greatest, best quality, mm -hmm. so on and so forth. Um, what's What kind of drove that from a game industry perspective? Because, yep. you know, we see it on the home side a lot, right? And we've seen it in some movie theaters have kind of gone that direction, but not even every movie theater is a Dolby Atmos theater, mm -hmm. right? So it's kind of like, 
I think in the general population, those who are not in the industry, it's like still kind of a new thing, even yep. though it's been around for over a mm-hmm. decade. I get it. Like, trust <laughs> me. <laughs> but like, uh, so t- talk to me a little bit about that transition. Sure. Um, I'll just give you my perspective. This might not be like what the, the overall is. Yeah, yeah. Like, sure. Or, or Sodi's take. This That's is just fine. How, like my, my industry take on it is, um, I, well, I think with surround in, in the, 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 uh, the concept of having multi-channel audio in a video game, in my opinion, makes as much sense as it did in, in, in the theater, like, like just as immersive as an experience as a game might need and and most games nowadays think about vr are like trying to just have your field of view having your experience be completely immersed in mm-hmm. the experience it's great it's a great way uh to tell a story it's a great way to um get you feeling like you're present in that gameplay um so as, as far as like in, it's my favorite medium for multi-channel audio by far yeah yep. and that's just personally so i think it really <laughs> Uh, struck uh, like the technical side of things i think it really caught on like this the idea of atmos and spatial audio um caught on with vr that was when we, people first started working with height well height height channel in 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 mm. like a kind of consumer ready uh you know console or you know uh sort of the, the tech the tech was there it was like a lot of investment was being put into ambisonics and binaural rendering in real time that I, a lot of folks like myself, it was the first time kind of being introduced to the idea of a 360-degree image, height, height, height channels, that kind of thing. So I think when that tech – and a lot of us love doing it, just so you know. Like it's like so much fun to work in this <laughs> space because it, you really do get like a high off of hearing your sounds or your music in like a completely immersive environment. It's, it's insane. I, I was moved, like really emotional, when this tech verse came out, um, and I still feel that way. Like I still, I still get moved. Um, so I think, I think once the tech got proved out, uh, I'll give credit to, and I don't know if this is deserved, but I give credit to Sony for sure. kind of building it in their mm-hmm. platform at its core. Like the, they developed the tech for a, you know, effectively a non VR console um, in their in their latest uh, system. So um, that I think has, you know, inspired a lot of us to level up in that way and to deliver Atmos-ish, you know, at the very least the seven one as like, you know, your, your uh, baseline minimum viable, mm-hmm. yeah, um, surround. So I wouldn't say it's required, but it heck is it's so much fun to do it if if you can. Um, I'll tell you like from, from my perspective on this, cause I mean, I know that you and I haven't talked much, uh, outside of our podcast here, but like, I, I do play quite a bit of games. Um, and one of my favorite things to do with my Atmos system is get into one of those more immersive games and just spin the camera around in a space that I'm in and just see how the sound changes in that space. And like, you're speaking of the high We're that you doing get it from, for you yeah, yeah for creating that like i lo- i will just sit there That's and great. be like oh like i can hear this person talking over here okay now they're in front of me like it's one of the coolest things that that you know i think has happened in the in the gaming industry in a long time in my opinion yeah i, I mean it is a bit of a watershed like the vr sp- stuff specifically was a bit of a watershed moment for for the industry cuz it it really did like 
you know, it, it was it initially felt like a pie in the sky idea, but then once we all like heard it for the first time, it was like what? And this, I mean, like barely requires any extra work to turn it on. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like <laughs> yeah, the folks the folks at Oculus slash Meta did a great job. I, I give them credit too, um, for building such such like computationally affordable tech um, that didn't require very much. Um, you know, technical know-how. It's literally just a flip a switch, and it's on. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. You do have to kind of watch that the CPU doesn't, uh, you know, overload. Max. Yeah, <laughs> overload. Yeah. <laughs> that's There's the catch. that's that's, the catch. that's been an old, old, old. Uh, watch your, uh, you know, how much RAM do we have, and you know, all yep. that Yeah, that's that goes way back to the. Yep. Uh, so some things yeah. will uh, will will be, always be a constant, right? Like it's this. You have to push your your artistic format as as far as the tech will will allow you to go, and it's you know and but music changed, man. Like if you go back to the 20th century, like even early recording technology, and you look at you know some of the roots of what Thomas Edison did and things along those lines, like setting the stage for how music had to change. Mm. You know, like it used to be something we would all do, like people had to create their own music, and now it's like. No, I've got this tool. I've got this machine. I've got this technology that's going to do it for me and do it mm-hmm. better than I could do it. Um, so that's really, really, really amazing. Um, and also, and before we move on, uh, it'd be remiss for me to not mention Apple in all of this. Fair, um, because uh, it did, at the very least, like I mean, for, I, I do all my Atmos work in Logic, and that would not be. I mean, it's just so easy to make an Atmos mix. Right in logic, that would not be possible without AirPods. It just right. went straight up. <laughs> so, as much as like that's a controversial topic in the music industry, uh, for me, it makes my workflow a lot easier. So, I'm, I'm not complaining too much. That being said, I don't think about AirPods spatial audio mix at all. Right. So that is not the for what it's worth. That is not the Atmos that I am passionate about. And I, I don't, I don't know if you guys feel the same way. I'd be curious to hear if you guys. Yeah, uh, I'm. Thoughts. I feel the same. I'm for sure. For sure. I mean, I, I do appreciate that, that the, uh, you know, with spatial audio, it's kind of advanced the technology, but yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. We're all There's, about the hot topics here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so I had a conversation. There's a, uh, I, I won't give any, uh, real specifics, but one of my clients works for Sony, uh, in the music department. Uh, he lives here in Nashville and, uh, he's one of the highest level executives and we had a conversation about having to go to uh, Dolby Atmos uh, specifically for his listening room. And so we went back and forth over and over and over and over again, just going back to this idea of like, so how do you do it? And in the end, um, it was like this weird conversation. Do you do a soundbar that has Dolby mm. Atmos built into it? Mm. Do you do a proper you know, receiver and speakers and all this other kind of stuff? Um, and in the end, he ended up with all three kinds of systems, to be quite honest mm. with you, right? Because he wants to make sure that things sound and work and do the things the way that they're That's supposed true. to do. Okay. And so I, it's like this old idea for mixing. And I know you'll appreciate this. Guys who would mix on Yamaha NS10s. It's oh, like, totally. Yeah. Right? Like, why am I picking such a terrible speaker? I, I know a, guy, a ton <laughs> of guys love them. But totally. at the same time, you're like, well, why did I do that? Well, because... If I didn't have that terrible format, then I don't know that I'd have no way to double check that the right. things are actually doing what I think they're actually supposed to do. So yeah, so it like, was I- nice um, with <laughs> Oculus Rift when the headphones were the only way you knew that your audio was going to be uh, reproduced, like you know, rendered. Yeah, 
Um, you mm-hmm. didn't have to mix for anything else. Like it was like the only headphones yeah. that ever, anyone's ever going to use with this game is these stock, you know, over the ear. And so that was um, a, a brief moment in a, de- a delightful mixing uh, <laughs> season for spatial yep. audio. <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. All right. Well, so it sounds like as uh, you know, Sony's pushed and Oculus, Apple, everybody's on the content creation side from a technical perspective, really pushed spatial audio. Um, I've seen it now in a ton of music formats. You see a lot of artists doing that, Dead Mouse being uh, very notable. Sure. Um, and so tell me now, like, as you considered your own workflows and your own studio and the things that you were trying to accomplish, like, how did you go about uh, making that decision to go from sure. a surround to uh, or a stereo to a surround to a to a Dolby Atmos. Yeah, I went right from from two dot one to seven dot one dot four. Oh wow! Um, okay. Yeah, it was a it was a big. Uh, well, I, so so long story short is I got a new gig um, late last year, where we knew we were going to be delivering surround mixes, and I knew that I wanted to be delivering surround music, and Atmos was not required, but I'm like. Pfft, Four as more speakers. We- what? Just, just go there. Who cares? <laughs> Might as well. <laughs> Might as well. That was, and so, you know, now, now that we're actually like in production, I'm glad I did because I can make because we're actually like really pr- pretty close to put, you know, saying you know thumbs up on Atmos for this game I'm working on. So it was worth that investment. Um, but uh, I'd say that like, you know, the inspiration um was kind of still came out of the vr thing mindset i knew Mm -hmm. how much i loved doing that and i knew that i would love to play around with that even if i wasn't you know asked that i would love to play around with that for my own music in you know a traditional console just to see just literally to experiment um and see, see what was possible and now that we're in it it's like there's no turning back it's so much fun and it makes the mix just like way cleaner um, of course, like if you're if you're on this stereo and or if you're on a five one, it will fold down. So I still, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not like I still have to mix. Yeah, like I'm free from that. Um, but that I think that's my one of my favorite things about the format is just how much space it gives. Like all the instruments, things are panned around. You don't have to nearly as compressed as much as you used to. Things would be a little quieter, yet they still feel like big and rich. Um, so in a game environment, you can let all your VO and leave all your sound effects up front if need be, and then they can pan around you, obviously. But the important stuff typically is that, you know, the, the sounds that are giving you gameplay information, the voiceover that's telling a story, and the music can just be that, you know, that juice that's that just kind of fills in coloring, the, mm-hmm. yeah. everything else. Well, and that's one of the things I was going to ask it from a content production standpoint i know in movies and as well as tv right so your center channel handles all the dialogue so like we still kind of have i think that sort of innate you know mix still from what you're saying if i if i'm tracking correctly that front stage is still kind of the main and kind of most important but at the same time it doesn't give you the full experience because you lose the immersion if you only had a front stage right so um mostly yeah Mm -hmm. well go ahead well then go ahead and you know, uh, no, no, I like, I, I still think we have to do the stereo image that like, we have to care about that because most people, that's how they're listening on, on like a consumer, you know, just a TV and some, you know, maybe a soundbar like that's right. most, I'd still say like 
more than half of the people is how that's how they're going to be listening. So again, you're not immune from that, that work. You still have to check your stereo mix, check it on, you know, NS 10 or like, honestly, just like sound bar. <laughs> I think that that's a great workflow is to check on a sound bar or like computer, you know, bad speakers. We can't do, we can't really do the car test. Unfortunately, I was going to say world. that like, yeah, very yeah. famously, like I'm going to go see what it sounds like in my car. Yep. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but a, a lot of gamers do play on headphones, which is a step up from a soundbar, in my humble opinion. Um, Interesting. And, okay. And, mm-hmm. um, well, maybe not the soundbars y'all are used to working with, but, um, you know, uh, no. the, like uh, the headphone mix, we have a little bit more control over. Sure. So, and nowadays with the spatial audio mix, which, you know, I, I, I do still recommend that folks toggle that on and see if they like it, because a lot of the times it can... Like it's again, it's not great for just casually listening to music, but for a video game, it does give you that extra information. Uh, albeit, it's you know the mix is going to be a little phasey and and awkward at times, but um, but I still enjoy it. At least in, with VR games, I I know that it hasn't really bothered me. So for your traditional game, if you can get over that, you know maybe the initial uh, you know awkward kind of sound. Uh, it can be more immersive and, and, and you, you might be able to enjoy, it. I don't know. Well, just my two cents. Well, and it's, it's a, it's a good call out and you know, we're not super uh, one-sided. This is good or this is bad. Cause I think there's an application and this is the whole premise of home design, right? Like if mm-hmm. what you have to do is a soundbar, then let's figure out the best way to do a soundbar. Right. Sure. And if what you had to do was headphones. And so I don't have a problem, you know, saying, you know, if what I want to do for a gaming experience, let's say we were to dedicate a room to it, you know, the best expression obviously is going to be a full seven, one, four, you know, fully done up Atmos room, right? So you've got a dedicated theater space or a dedicated gaming space. Yeah, that probably is the next way to go. But what's interesting is, you know, to hear you say that the headphones might be the next best example. Well, it's like, all right, maybe I have a two In or a three. Sense. In, in a, a sense. sense, yeah, mm-hmm. but let's. But here, here's here's where I'm going with this. If I have a two or three thousand dollars set of headphones, right, that's probably going to perform better than say a two hundred dollar soundbar, right? So it's 100%. kind of like you got to look at I think the application and say, and the room, and it's like I can't change my room, I can't do this, I can't do that, mm. but I still want to do a really nice thing. So where do I go? Well, all right, I'm going to go to the headset actually in a video game concept. Um, And I think that's where to hear you say it that way, if that's how you're making the content, then it does sort of make sense. So here, here would be my next question. Do you check that headphone mix on a set of stereo? Because we're big stereo guys like myself. I don't have Mm -hmm. a surround in my own house, believe it or not. Like I am straight stereo in every single room um, until I, make some changes so <laughs> <laughs> no i i think um i think we are we have to do the due diligence and check on everything yeah um so i do my the, so again like we're this is all in a way new right but when it, when i've done it in the past i'll just say what i've done in the past whenever it's just been surround um like for, for the fantasia game which was that was like seven years ago um, we did it. We did a um, 7.1 mix, uh, and we ch- we checked that we mixed it and checked it on consumer speakers only. Okay. So and I, I that without that, I mean, we we did a stereo mix and we checked that on in a pro environment, 
But whenever we did our surround mixes, it was only ever in a consumer environment. Yeah. So we had a few rooms in the office that were just like your stock Bose or Yamaha, you know, whatever, whatever it was at the time. At the time. Yep. Yeah. Um, And and then uh, we would toggle on and off the seven one mix and the stereo mix. Yeah. And just make sure Um, that everything shows up the way it's supposed to. And nothing there is spatial, you know. So I, again, like, what's nice about the the spatial world nowadays is everything is toggle. You can toggle everything on and off. You can have multiple mixes, um, so that you know you can optimize for a given, you know, stereo setup and, or you know, um, surround setup versus stereo setup versus headphone mix. There you go. Um, so that's typically what we do. Like at th- that final stage of mixing is that we'll do all those checks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> all right. So we've talked a little bit about where we were and where we are today. So uh, tell me a little bit about uh, um, kind of where you see things going forward. I think you mentioned it earlier. There's no going back once you go <laughs> yeah. to adult Dolby Atmos and uh, to a full, fully immersive <laughs> Sorry, experience. Sorry, Atmos haters. It's here to stay. <laughs> <laughs> There's uh, enough criticism to be had of the format for sure, but but I, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Well, so do you think uh, – where do you think we're going to go uh, go next in terms of spatial audio? I mean I think more people yeah. are going to have to mix to that format obviously. Um, so is there anything that you think is going to really uh, come in the next couple of years that uh, you may want to – we should be on the lookout for? I, I'll just say that one of the reasons I'm a fan of the format is – um, because it's not limited to 7.1.4. It's really up to the end array sure. um, that, that, will, that will, you know, determine how that image is being reproduced. Now, of course, you can have direct assignments and have, you know, sounds go directly into a speaker. But those rules can be broken if, if need be, in my humble opinion. Um, my sessions are, you know, they're, they're not directly tied to a 7.1.4 you know output they're they're being bounced for that but we can hop back in there and re-render them and it won't take that long at all so i think it's sort of it's it's hard for me to be like at most forever but it's easy for me to be like spatial audio forever or like 360 degree audio forever Mm. because it's it's Mm -hmm. in a way a timeless kind of format an open-ish kind of format that I think will have legs depending. Like I'm looking up, you know, what the Apple is doing with the um, Vision Pro, and you know how VR and MR and you know AR, how that's going to keep evolving, um, and and the fact that we we now have this like this train rolling of spatial audio that it really is just 360 degree audio. It's not Atmos. It's 360 degree audio. There's a there's like common practices that are being you know kind of hammered on and you know, just like our best practices rather that are being kind of institutionalized. There's a shared knowledge base. So that, that makes me feel really good about our industry and where it's um, going. Yeah. It makes me feel good about investing in a speaker array and investing in, um, well, actually, no, I was going to say, uh, ambisonic microphone, but I actually ordered one and it never came. <laughs> oh, so I don't have one of those. <laughs> man. Yeah. I think, I think the market for that kind of caved a bit, but, yeah. um, but well, no, just to invest in in this knowledge base. It's been really fun to work in. Um, I can't predict the future much beyond that. So we'll just leave. I mean, a, we could talk about AI, but I don't want to waste y'all's time. Well, <laughs> so, I was going to say that. Uh, I, I was actually going to. I was going to ask about AI and kind of what what that's brought to the table, if, if you don't mind. 
Well, it's a different conversation. Um, you know, uh, I think that I so I worked at an AI studio for a few years actually. Um, okay. The name so uh, the name of it was is Authentic Artists. I was their audio director for three years, so I'm I'm relatively intimate with with the tech um, and the conversation, if you will. Uh, I'm I I think that um, what uh, ASCAP and SAG-AFTRA are doing to like ensure that the likenesses of musicians and and voice artists and singers are you know kind of you know trademarked and copywritten and can't do that without permission like that's the correct course of action it's a kind of a current thing happening right now in politics which mm -hmm. is great like that's that's the correct conversation to be having mm -hmm. um that being said the tech the tech isn't there i don't know how many more years it will take for it to really be there to like what we're seeing with chat gpt or um oh, what's the image one um canva i think Not there's canva. a few uh there's several stable diffusion yeah is what, stable diffusion yeah. Mm -hmm. um like i think we're still a, a little bit away from that that's that's my biggest takeaway uh, mm -hmm. from working in it for a while it's been it's like a novelty and it's fun and it's it's moving fast but it's not there it's not doing it at the scale at which some of those other ai tools are doing it just yet so um when that happens i mean that's that's why i think it's good that we have we're having these conversations now so that when that scale does pick up and the quality reaches those the other tools that are happening right now um that we're, we're people are prepared cuz you know i i don't know i don't know if it's going to you know take over human artists but it'll certainly like be right there alongside them and mm -hmm. uh there's definitely uh going to be markets that are disrupted um just like the rest of them so um i'm personally i'm not fearful i'm not a fearful person i generally tend to be dan you know me <laughs> i'm an optimist <laughs> yep um so i try not to like think too too hard about it but um you know uh it's it's a reality for sure that we yeah. need to be prepared for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my my brother works in the graphic design industry, and it's 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 definitely kind of a, a sore subject that you know. But he he kind of feels the same way. Like just really, it it it, it only it, it it can only help if it's utilized you know in the, in the proper ways and you know making sure that people are getting the credit they deserve and aren't taking credit for someone else's content. But uh, you know he's kind of excited for the future of it. Yeah, I guess if there is something to be excited for, it's the tools that are possible for mm -hmm. us, the music, the human creators. Right. Um, and right. that was that was the motive behind the studio that I was working with. Um, but these are these are new tools for musicians to to use to create new you know new expressions with, which is great. And that's that's the best use case, um, an argument for AI tools. Yeah. Uh, so and I'm glad glad to see those are happening for sure. Um, we'll just see if. Like any technology, you know, wait and see how it gets used for, for the good and for the evil. We'll see. Yeah. And that's one of those things, like, and Mark and I have had plenty of discussions on, you know, it's not necessarily that you can blame a particular system, right? You, it's the immoral usage of that system that becomes right. <laughs> the, the issue. And so, yeah. Uh, a lot of my conversations with Amy, uh, my wife, are are in the negative space of this conversation. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's hard to say. She's like, why? Why do we need this? Like, they, there's there's plenty of musicians that make crit. Like, we don't need this. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you haven't worked on a 
completely uh, generative video game like No Man's Sky. That would be a great use case for AI. You know, right. have have like a human go in and and build a model with AI, and it evolves and generate. You know what I mean? Like that. That's a great use case. Um, but still, yeah. there's a human in there Element controlling that is still it. The, yeah, right. That's still right. A, at the core of it. Yeah, exactly. and I think yeah that that is where I think you have to sort of go back to is that you need to maintain your your control. So yeah, a thousand percent. Yep. Um, all right. So uh, what are some upcoming projects and things that uh, that you're working on um, that uh, you are allowed to, to talk about? You don't have to. <laughs> I know there's probably some think. things that, that, oh, you, that you that you don't want to say. That's okay too, but. That's uh, the unfortunate thing, as you know, Dan, with this industry. So many yep. things are, have to be kept in secret. Um, but recently, there's a there's a James Bond video game that just got released. It's on Apple Arcade. So if you have a subscription to that, it's free. I did the, the music, and I was the audio lead for that project. Awesome. Um, okay. There's a game called Moonbreaker, which was developed by uh, Unknown Worlds, who is made famous from the Subnautica um, yep. series of games. Okay. Um, that has been out for a little over a year now, getting steady updates and new music. I've been working on new music for that. So, um, that's a nice. really fun project. Definitely check that out. Um, yeah. Oh gosh. There's two other big things I can't talk about. Um, <laughs> of course. if this was in a few weeks, I'd have so much, uh, breaking news for y'all. There um, you go. Well, listen, just do me a oh, favor. One more thing. One yes. more thing. Sorry. Uh, Dan, Dan's wife, Natasha. Um, made this for me. Oh my goodness! No. Uh, <laughs> so if, you, if that's in the frame, it uh, is. It's a it's it a is. it's a diffuser um, that you use to kind of help uh, tamper down the reflections in a studio, not unlike mine. Uh, Dan, I know Natasha has made at least one or two for you oh, that I've look got, amazing. I've got them all, all mm -hmm. over the house. Yeah, all she's house. she's quite an artist. But anyway, that so this is I, I commissioned her to do this for me as artwork for my album called DOS. Which is now being turned into a video game. Um, so wow. I have both. Yeah, I don't know if you knew that, Dan. So that's awesome. I have, Congratulations! I have a, I'll have a co-release of a video game and an album. That the 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 game will be in support of the album, um, but it's a singular expression. Uh, it'll be out very soon. I'm, I just finished like working on the narrative like yesterday. Awesome. So <laughs> I'm at the I'm at that alpha stage, beta stage right now. So yeah, very soon. I'm hoping to get that out on. Uh, Apple and Mac and PC. Probably not a console just yet. We'll see how it does. But yeah, that's, that's a completely self Steve Pardo developed. I just what I'm doing nights and weekends. You know how it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, project. yeah. Def definitely let let us know because I would love to try it out. Awesome. There's yeah. no Atmos, unfortunately. Sorry, it's just there. That's okay. It, that's okay. My PC, I use <laughs> headphones on anyway, so it's that, that's fine. It's yeah. no worries. You've got the tech. You're good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I will say uh, when Dan and I were discussing, and he kind of sent me your information, and I scrolled down and I saw Rock Band. I was uh, I kind of uh, nerded out a little bit. Um, oh, cool. If you've if you've seen any of our other episodes, I normally have a bass behind me, but today I have this custom Rock Whoa! Band two uh, <laughs> Fender Strat that is uh, behind me. That yeah, is a it's, good looking plastic guitar. Yeah. yeah it's, it, it's actually it's a full body strat. That's with, amazing. With the buttons and and my brother and I we we probably funded half of harmonics from <laughs> rock the Beatles rock band through rock band four. We still play like once a you month still, at least. That's so. amazing. Good for you. Yep. 
I'll tell yep. I'll tell the team that it, I'm still really close <sighs> to the team. That that's awesome. He that's actually great. has he was on their like the the road crew or whatever for yeah. Rock Band Four. So he has like a signed poster of uh, like a bunch of the developers and stuff. So uh, wow. Yep. So I like I nerded out a little bit when I saw that. So just uh, super cool. Just wanted to say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great that thank you for your for your fandom and for yep. your financial uh <laughs> <contributions>. <laughs> for helping my career become something le- that i could call legitimate Pretty there you go. yeah man yeah yeah for sure <laughs> well it's awesome. been uh absolutely uh fantastic uh just keep me uh posted with updates and uh, yep. we'll mention them on uh, on future episodes as uh things mm-hmm. can be uh can be mentioned and uh, I just can't say thank you so much. Uh, thank I can't say thank you enough, uh, honestly, for uh, spending some time with us and, and hanging out and uh, giving us such a deep dive into video game audio and you know content creation um, in uh, an otherwise I think kind of unknown area for a lot of folks. Mm. Um, you know, we see the end results of of, of the work. We don't get really a, a behind the scenes look as much. Um, so this has just been so much fun and just so absolutely fantastic. And uh, awesome. again, I just can't say thank you enough for uh, for joining us. Yeah, Dan, Mark, thank you so much. This has been real pleasure. It's great to get get nerdy and and uh, yeah. go into the deep dark. Uh, give all the secrets for for what it's like to do this kind of stuff. But you're you've been you know these are great questions, great conversation. Thanks for having me, guys. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening to the Sound of Design with Mark and Dan and. <laughs> And Steve. There we go. <laughs> uh, like, comment, and subscribe. And uh, if uh, you guys uh, have any uh, questions, obviously reach out to us at thesounddesign.com. And uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs>